For those of you who I haven't had the opportunity or the chance to meet, my name's Michael, and I'm one of the pastors on staff. And kids, I want your help really quick, and then we're all going to participate. On the count of three, I want you guys to yell out, that's not fair. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. All right. Now, all the adults, we're going to join in. You guys ready? Here we go. One, two, three. That's not fair. And I think at some point in time in all of our lives, whether you're young, whether you're old, we've probably said that or we've probably felt that. Hey, you know what? That's not fair. It's not fair that the New England Patriots keep winning Super Bowls and that the Dallas Cowboys haven't won one since 1996. That's not fair. It's not fair that that keeps happening. Um, But did you know that the gospel, that the good news, that the New Testament, that it's not fair? Like over and over again throughout the New Testament, we see that the kingdom of God, that Christianity, that God's kingdom, it's not fair. It's an upside down, it's an upside down kingdom. And so I want us to take a few moments to to look at that and and to realize, because I, I know I'm naive, But I I would think, and this is just Michael Escamilla talking, I would think everyone would want Christianity to be true. That everyone in the world, even if you don't believe in God, even if you don't believe in Jesus, even if you don't believe in the Bible, I, I would think that you would want it to be true. Now, I know there's a difference between wanting something to be true and believing that it's true. But, but I think, really, everyone would want the Gospels, would want the message of Jesus to be true. I I get it if you don't believe that it's not true. Because if if I had experienced what you had experienced, if I had been hurt by the church that you attended when you were growing up, I I probably wouldn't believe it either. If if I had walked through some of the tragedy or some of the situations that many of you in this room have had to walk through before, and where it feels like God's absent or he's not around or he's just late or that he's not listening to your prayers... I probably would struggle with believing, is this really true? But I think deep down inside all of us, even if we don't believe in God, we want it to be true. Because all throughout the first century and in the times of Jesus, it's amazing. So many people were attracted to Jesus. I mean, people who were nothing like Jesus actually liked Jesus. And Jesus actually liked people who were nothing like him. Jews, Romans, Greeks, Gentiles. I mean, everyone, everyone loved Jesus. Everyone was attracted to Jesus. And Jesus liked everyone around him. And, and I think the people, the reason people were drawn to him, I, I think the, peop, the reason that people like followed him by hundreds and thousands it is just simply this small little word. It, it's grace. Have you ever heard that word before, grace? Grace means this, it's undeserved, unmerited favor. You you can't earn it. You can't get anything or do anything to deserve it. It's actually in spite of everything that you've done. Grace. It's this whole idea, it's this whole premise that you can't work it out, that you can't make it happen. It's actually a gift. And so all throughout Jesus' ministry, I think people are attracted to him. People are drawn to him because of grace. Now, grace is this. Grace is what you want. It's what you crave when you hurt someone you love. 
And I won't ask you to raise your hand right now. When you hurt someone that you love or someone who's important to you or someone that you care about, grace is what you want, is what you crave. Because in that moment, what you want is you want them to treat you as if you had not done what you did, as if you had not said what you said, as if you had not treated them the way that you treated them. See, there's there's this desire, there's this need for grace in our lives. And and I think so many times we we want grace. We we want grace to be given to us. But so many times it's hard for us to receive grace or it's even harder for us to accept grace. And and so all throughout Jesus' ministry, we see this happening over and over and over again. And grace actually solves broken relationships. When grace is, uh, when it's appropriately applied to our lives, it can fix broken marriages. It can fix dating relationships. It can fix the relationships between a coworker and an employee, between parents and kids. When, When grace is properly applied, grace actually solves just about everything in our lives. And so many people were attracted to Jesus because of the grace that he showed to those around him. So all throughout the Gospels, all throughout the New Testament, there's this picture of Jesus giving grace. And really, grace is just a term or it's just a word until it's fully experienced. Did you know that? Until you have a relationship with someone, until you're in close proximity with someone, it's just over there. It's just an idea. It's just a philosophy. It's just a term. And so that's why John, in his gospel, and Pastor told us we're getting ready to start the book of John this week. This is how he starts off his gospel. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And the word was God. And and he says, John says, we got a front row seat. We saw Jesus with our eyes. We touched him with our hands. And God came near to us. See, if God wouldn't have come near to us, it would have just been God's up there and we're down here. But since God came near, now we can experience the grace of God. And so you need grace. And I need grace. And John goes on to describe in chapter one there, he says this, he says, Jesus, he was full of grace and truth. That Jesus was full of grace and truth. He he wasn't the balance of grace and truth, that he was actually filled to the brim with grace and truth. And you guys remember the stories. You guys remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man that's right and a wee little man was he and he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see that's right and so Zacchaeus was this wee little man and everyone's lining the streets that day I mean they've got their posters I love Jesus yes I do I love Jesus how about you I mean they got another poster John three sixteen. I mean they got there early their lawn chairs are out they brought the kids snacks the goldfish they've got everything all set out they they've reserved their spots they brought the sun tanning lotion the bug spray everything everyone's ready outside of Jericho that day and Jesus is walking by and he walks right past the crowds to the sycamore tree where Zacchaeus is. And he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Grace. And when Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house, he he didn't even have to say anything. 
But the truth of who Jesus was, because he was filled with grace and truth, Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. He had stole from everyone in his community in the city of Jericho. He had gone into cahoots with the Roman Empire, and everyone hated Zacchaeus. But on that day, when he came into face contact with Jesus, the Bible tells us that Zacchaeus says, Lord, I'm going to pay everybody back that I've taken from four times. And I'm going to go above and beyond anything else. And from now on, I'm never going to steal from anyone else again. Grace. Truth. Do you remember the woman who was caught in adultery? She's dragged from the bedroom, thrown in front of Jesus. Jesus, the truth is, because you're, you're truth, right, Jesus? The Bible tells us to stone her, to kill her. What do you say, Jesus? Whoever hasn't sinned, you guys go ahead and you start it off. You throw the first stone. Grace. And everyone leaves. And I think Jesus bent down and he picked her up and he said, woman, where are your accusers at? I don't condemn you. Grace. Now go and sin no more. Truth. See, church, I think for a really, really long time, we've got the truth part right, but we've forgotten about the grace. Because we're really quick to post, we're really quick to point fingers, we're really quick to let everyone know where they're falling short, but so many times we've forgotten about grace. And so Jesus, all throughout his ministry, all throughout his life, he's demonstrating this idea of grace and of truth. And so he would tell these stories, he would tell these, we call them parables, to try to let people see, to try to let them get a glimpse into this upside down kingdom that he wanted to introduce to the world. And so in Matthew chapter 20, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. If you don't, it's going to be up on the screen. But we're going to go through this story really quickly. And Jesus is telling this story. He's telling this parable. And this is what he says. He says this. For the kingdom of heaven is like, it's like a landowner. This is a really rich guy who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. So this rich man goes out probably at six in the morning. He's getting ready to hire people. And I don't know about you, when I was a teenager, I did this, went out there to day laborers, wanted to get paid cash that day. And I was hoping I would get there early enough in order so that I would get picked. Okay, so he's going out there and he's getting ready to pick the laborers for the day. And this is what it says. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them to his vineyard. So he says, you, 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 well, all of you, you guys go ahead. Come on, get in the back of the truck. We're going to go out and you're going to work in my vineyard and I'm going to pay you a full day's wage for your work. And then Jesus goes on with the story, and this is what he says. He says, about nine in the morning, so that was probably about six in the morning. Well, now it's nine o'clock, three hours later. He went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. And so they went. Now, if you know this story and if you've heard it before, maybe in Sunday school, maybe in flannel uh, graph land, if you've heard this before, then you know the deeper that we get into the story, the more unsettling and more uncomfortable that it gets. And here's the reason that I believe that this is true. is because anyone in the first century who would have written this, I mean, the, the story that Jesus tells, it's so unique, it's so brilliant, it's so just other, that, that if I was writing this, I would have taken credit. I would have said, and Michael Escamilla said, 
I told the story. And so that's, I mean, Paul didn't talk like this. Peter didn't write like this. This is so incredibly unique. And the other reason that I think Jesus is the one who is saying this is because no one else would start a kingdom would start a movement, would start a following out like this. This is so completely different from what we've been taught to how to, for how to get people to follow you, to, for, to people to like you. I mean, this is just so upside down. And, and so Jesus goes on. It says, so we've got the six o'clock workers. We've got the nine o'clock workers. Now we've got at noon. He goes out at lunchtime and still people are standing around. He's like, come on, you come and work in my vineyard. Then he goes at three o'clock. Hey, you guys, you come and work in my vineyard. And then he goes at the very end of the day, at five o'clock in the afternoon, listen to what it says. It says, about five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing, all day long doing nothing? That sounds like what I'm asking my teenage children. <laughs> because no one has hired us. And that's what they say. You haven't paid us, dad. No one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you, you also go out and work in my vineyard. And so, I mean, it's five o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's an hour of daylight left. I mean, by the time they get their sack on, by the time they walk out to the vineyard, by the time they get the instructions from the foreman, by the time they pick their position, I mean, maybe they're working 45 minutes. Maybe they're working 30 minutes. So Jesus says they're out there. And at the end of the day, this is where it gets unsettling for us. At the, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers in and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. And so the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and they received a denarius to which everyone in line behind them start jumping up and cheering, Right? Why? Because we're not getting paid a denarius a day. We're getting paid a denarius an hour. I mean, have you guys ever got a tax return back? Anyone? Just me? Wow. I can help you with your taxes, I promise, okay? <laughs> have you ever got a bonus or a raise or something to where it was unexpected and you're getting excited? You're like, yes, I'm going to, I mean, I know y'all are disappointed, right? You didn't get the Powerball numbers, right, this past week. Anyway, okay, um, sore subject. But so he, he says, hey, we're, we're getting paid more than a denarius. They're, they're thinking ahead of, you know what? I, I'm going to get paid. This is going to be so awesome. This is great. So when those who came that were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them received a denarius. And what did they do when they received exactly what they agreed to? When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Hey, these who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. Hey, hey, wait a second, Mr. Landowner, this isn't fair. 
Do you know how hard we worked? My robe is drenched in sweat right now. I mean, I got there early. I was at Home Depot at 5.30 because I know you were coming at 6. And I got out there and I was in the front of the line and I washed my face and I brushed my teeth. I mean, I was ready to go to work. I got there early and I worked through lunch. I didn't take a lunch break. And when the whistle blew at the end of the day, Mr. Landowner, I fixed up your area that I was working. I made it look even nicer. I put all the bags back. I did everything I was supposed to do at the end of the day. And now, now I'm coming here and you've made them equal to us. I mean, they're not equal to us. I can't say what they are because we're in church, but they're not equal to us, Mr. Landowner. How dare you do that? Do you know what I've done? But don't we do that? Do you know how long I've been coming to Bethesda? Do you know how long I've sang in the choir? Do you know how much money I've given to this church? Do you know how faithful I am? I mean, come on. How in the world are you going to treat everyone else the same as, as me? Do you know where I sit? That's my spot. How in the What? Who in the world? Mr. Usher, EJ, you didn't tell them that's where I sit at? Can you? I'm going to have to call Pastor well, not Pastor Dan, Pastor Becky. She's going she's gonna to get things working right around here, I promise. But what does Jesus say? <laughs> he answered, I, I'm not being unfair to you, friends. Did, did you agree to work for a denarius? Take your money and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Wait a second, Jesus. No, no, no. You didn't give us anything. We earned it. We went out there and we busted. Well, we went out there and we worked hard, Jesus. Come on. You didn't give me anything. I was out there working. And Jesus would say, okay, well, where did I find you at that morning? What, what were you doing earlier? Well, yeah, right. Thank you. You were standing there. It's my little preacher helper over there. You're standing there. Do, do you remember where I found you? Church, do you remember where you were before you met Jesus? Do, do you remember where you were before Jesus called you and invited you in? Do, do you, have you, has it been too long that you've forgotten from the heights from which you've fallen? Do, do you remember? Jesus, you didn't give us anything. We earned this. Do you know who I am? Do you know how long I've been following you, Jesus? Do, do you understand what I've given up, what I've sacrificed to follow you? And Jesus says, do you remember where I found you? Do you remember when I called you to follow me? See, Jesus is kingdom. I know it's quiet. It's so upside down. It's so upside down. It's so countercultural. It's so un what we're used to. It's an upside-down kingdom. And this is what he goes on to say. Do I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you resentful because I'm generous? Well, Jesus, how, I mean, I can't be resentful because you're generous. That would be childish. That would be immature. That would be narrow-minded for me to be resentful because you're generous to someone else, because you've given to someone else what you've given to me. See, here, here's, the, here's the punchline, and if you've fallen asleep or, or if you got distracted on your phone, here, here it is, and, and I want you to understand this. Here it, we so many times forget that the kingdom of God is characterized by unsettling generosity. Unsettling 
generosity. And Jesus, in this story, he's asking us, are you okay with that? Are you okay with me treating the six o'clock worker the same that I treat the five o'clock worker? Or are you upset because I'm so generous with everyone across the board? Are, Are you okay whether you've been coming to this church for 50 minutes or you've been coming here for 50 years? Are you okay with the grace of God that he has shown you and that he has shown me, that he was showing that to everyone else? See, see, here, here it is. We, we want to say it's not fair. And Jesus said, if you're in the kingdom of God long enough and if you follow me for long enough, it's going to feel like this. And you know this verse. It's going to feel like the last or first. And it's going to feel like the first or last. See, if you follow Jesus long enough, if you are part of the kingdom of God long enough, it's going to feel like those who are in the back of the line get to go to the front of the line. And it's going to feel like those who are in the front are actually in the back. It's going to feel like the first or last and the last or first. And Jesus said, are you okay with that? And we are not okay with that because Jesus, mm, that just doesn't seem fair. We, how do we determine fairness? We compare to determine what's fair, don't we? We compare. Did you see what she did? Do you see what he said? Do you see what she wore? I mean, come on, that's not fair. Do do you see, do you see? We compare to measure what's fair, but here's what grace does. Grace doesn't compare. Grace doesn't compare. Everyone is invited. Did you know that? The kingdom of God is for everyone. Everyone is invited into the kingdom of God. And it's, it's, it's not fair. It's fairer than fair. Because check this out. I want you to see something really quick. This middle one represents Jesus. So here's the truth. The adulteress, she was a sinner. That's the truth. But Jesus says, I'm going to show you grace. Zacchaeus, he was a thief. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, you're invited in. Grace. Those who are sexually immoral, sin. Jesus says, grace. Anyone that you can think of, liars, the truth is, they're sinners. Here, here's what I love about Jesus, and I'll keep demonstrating this. Jesus called sin, sin, and sinners, sinners, and then he said, I'm going to die for all of you. Jesus called sin, sin, and sinners, sinners, and then he said, but you're not going to be punished. You're not going to be condemned. Why? Because my grace is sufficient to cover over you. So whether you're on the right or the left, you need Jesus' grace. Whatever you did last summer, you need Jesus' grace. If you've been remarried six times and you're living with someone who you're not married to right now, you need Jesus' grace. If you're religious and you like looking down at everyone else because of what they're doing and you feel more pious than everyone else, you need Jesus' grace. See, we all need grace and we all need truth right here. We all need it. And here's the thing I love, church. I'll try to get as much of it on the towel as I can. Life is messy. 
but the blood of Jesus covers over all of it. It's not perfect. It gets messy and it gets dirty. Sunday mornings, this is great and I'm glad we meet here and I'm glad we worship together, but this isn't real life. When you're there on Monday and you're frustrated, when you're there on Friday night and you're tempted and you fall into sin once again, whenever you mess up and you click on that website that you promised yourself and your spouse you would never go back to, there's grace. There is grace. It's unmerited, undeserved favor of God. The sinners and the saints, we all need the grace of God. Every single one of you. And none of you, absolutely none of you are too far from Jesus's grace. None of you are too far from his grace. And he's gonna speak to you in truth and he's gonna speak to you in love, but he's gonna let you know you're invited in, you're welcomed in. Whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're of a different race or whether you're of the human race, whatever race you're a part of, it doesn't matter who you are or how long you've ran away from God. It doesn't matter the atheist, the agnostic, the racist, those who, who are on the outside, the marginalized, the disenfranchised, everyone gets in the same way. There is no special ticket. It's through Jesus. This is the only way that you get in. This is it. And he said, my grace will cover over all of your mistakes. He knows what you did last summer. He knows what you did over spring break. He knows, and he says, grace, grace, amazing grace. Pastor Brent, if you'll come up, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like Michael Escamilla, like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Church, grace isn't fair. It wasn't fair that his hands were pierced for you and me. It wasn't fair that nails were driven into his feet. It wasn't fair that a th crown of thorns was placed on his head. It wasn't fair that a spear was jabbed up into his side in his ribcage. It wasn't fair. It was fairer than fair. The son of God took on your punishment and my punishment so that we could experience the grace of God. It's not fair. You're exactly right. It's not fair. You've gotten what you don't deserve. A promise of a relationship with a God who loves you, who cares about you, who's for you, who's not against you. That's the grace of God. And so all the prodigal sons say hallelujah. hallelujah. And all the prodigal daughters say hallelujah. hallelujah. But come on church. Are we willing to give that type of grace to those around us? Because Jesus says, my kingdom, it's a kingdom of grace. Are you willing to demonstrate that to your spouse? Are you willing to demonstrate that to your parents who have, you haven't talked to in years? Are you willing to demonstrate that to your kids? Are you willing to demonstrate that to those around you? The same grace that God has given you, are you willing to give that kind of grace to those around you. It's hard. It's messy. That's why I did this. It is so messy. It's so messy. It's not easy. I'm not saying, hey, let's say a quick prayer and it's all going to fix everything. No, absolutely not. But are you willing to live in that tension of grace and truth and say, Jesus, you were all grace. You were all truth all of the time. You were the fulfillment of that and Jesus, if I'm going to follow you, I want to be filled with grace and truth.
And so I'm going to ask us, because we're out of time and I've gone over time this morning, they're going to put this prayer up on the screen, and there is no, there's no magic power in these words. There's nothing special about this prayer. This is just a prayer that we say when we're ready to say, God, I need to receive your grace. I need to receive your grace, God. And it just simply says this. I'm going to read it, and they'll have it up on the screen for me. It says this. Heavenly Father, I fall short every day, and I need what I don't deserve to be forgiven of my sin and restored to you. I believe that Jesus' death on my behalf accomplished both, and I place my faith in him as my Lord, my Savior and Lord. So that's, I, I just want us to say this together, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. We're going to say it out loud together. For those of you, maybe you're saying this for the very first time. You, you've, you've never known. You, you've heard about the truth, but you've never known the grace of God, that you were invited, that you were welcomed in. Maybe you're repeating this for the very first time. I would love to, to meet you after service. Maybe you've repeated this prayer hundreds of times or prayers like this hundreds of times, but I just want us to pray this together. We're going to read it out loud, okay? Are you guys ready? Can you have it up on the screen for me? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I fall short every day. I need what I don't deserve. And restored to you. I believe that Jesus' death on my behalf accomplished both. And I place my faith in him as my Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Can we praise God for that this morning? And I want you to stand. Pastor Bryn is going to lead us in this song, Amazing Grace. We're going to sing it together, and then I'll close us in prayer in just a moment.